What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast where we give you our two cents on everything that is PlayStation. My name is Alex Wolf, and, and I'm, I'm here joining. <laughs> is, we were just talking Every about fucking, fucking up the intro. Every fucking time. There it is. <laughs> Every time. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh. Should we try it again, or, or or should we just go? with No, it? just just go with it. All right, all right. We'll just roll with it. All right. My name's my name's Stephen Morrow. <laughs> You've never sounded so unsure about your own name. <laughs> so I'm just disappointed because I'm always the reason why the intro is fucked up. <laughs> like on on the other show, we record it separately, so like I fuck up and I can just delete it and try it again. But on this one, this is the real deal. This is why. That's right. This is why I'm a I'm a complete disaster to record anything hanging live with. with. <laughs> hanging with the big boys, we just record and we just we t- we take all the fuck ups. But any hooser, this show is available on any and all. Well, not all, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can get it three ways. You can get it three ways, like a skyline. Yeah, like you, skyline. <laughs> we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just a few days later, available on YouTube. Oh, actually, there's four. There's four ways that you can listen. Oh, well, hold on. What's this, what's this new one? I only knew about the Apple Podcasts, the Spotify's, and the YouTubes. Um, MTFproductions.com. Oh, on the MTFproductions.com. Yeah, also random. on MTFproductions.com, you can hit forward slash donate, and you can send over as little as a dollar so we can help the shell grow. That is very true. Um, mm-hmm. there's also little known fact, if you go to mtfproductions.com, not only can you listen to, uh, episodes of Dual Senses, but you can download them. There's like a little download option. So you can download them onto your laptop. You can splice up our voices. You can say us, you can make us say whatever you want, and then you can re-upload it. But don't do that. Because then people, you if you upload it as something new and people are looking for our stuff, they find your weird fan fiction thing, and then it's it's a problem. You could fuck up our careers <laughs> very easily. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about this MTF Productions download feature, Stephen. <laughs> we need to discuss this before we give that to the masses. <laughs> it's just it's just another way for people to have access to the audio. I mean, what people do with it. Uh, you know, it, it'll it's it, it'll obviously not be our thing because you know we post what we do. That's right. We post it officially on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and just a few days later on YouTube. By all means, if you don't want to miss an episode, hit that little bell and alert button on whatever platform you're listening to us to or listening to us from on. You know what I mean. So that way it notifies you when we upload a new episode. Yeah, follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, actually, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but I wanted to thank the people who did rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts uh, because that's awesome and that helps give us a little bit more visibility. So if you haven't done that, do that. We really appreciate it. Um, and be sure to, to leave a little review. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Yeah, I want to know why we suck. And I want to know why we don't suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steven, how you been? I've been hanging in there. A little disappointed in the weather. 
because are you because it's like closing everything early and you can't leave your driveway because there's nothing but ice and snow everywhere well so like the first time you like blinked your eyes and then all of a sudden there was a fucking blizzard and there were like several inches of snow that was cool like that was fun um Uh but like this time like yesterday we had news reports and weather reports and they were like oh we're gonna have like 11 inches of snow and it's gonna be awful and all these people were storming kroger and buying all all of the food up and everything and like the weather is basically the same as it was last time like it's not hell on earth like i wanted (laughs) so i'm a little upset I mean, it's you're right. It's not hell on earth quite yet. I think the big thing is like so. In the the first time it happened, right, which was like a week ago, it was just snow. It was just a ton of snow. There was no real ice. And then the snow started melting, and the temperature dropped, and it snowed a little bit again. But all that melted snow then froze over and became ice. That's what caused issues. This time is because it's like snow, freezing rain, snow, freezing rain, and then eventually at some point today it just turned into straight ice falling from the sky. Yeah, just as one sheet, so, an entire sheet of ice just <laughs> crashing down. Yeah, and I just, <laughs> so hopefully you have homeowner's insurance, because you might have a claim. Yeah, it is kind of like a multi-layered cake of catastrophe. Yeah, and that's another thing, is like, so tomorrow it's not supposed to snow, but it's supposed to warm up, which means all this shit we have on the ground right now is going to melt, and then freeze back over, and that's where the real fucking problem starts. <laughs> yeah, but then the trees are going to look really pretty because it'll look like they're in, like, a little crystal case. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Like yeah, I was so... Layer like, it's of... like they're frozen over. Yeah, it's nice. Like, perfectly. Yeah, Rachel and I were just talking about this. She's like, it hasn't snowed like this in forever. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like the last time it was this bad was when, like, the, when the trees start freezing over and I look at twigs and they're encased in ice, then I know shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. That's like my, that's the only time I'm worried about the weather now. Is like when that happens, I know like it's crazy. If it's anything less than that, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. That's that's actually that's another thing too. I haven't driven in this weather. I've been staying at home today, because I was anticipating it getting bad. I didn't want to have to you know get stuck anywhere. Um, which is why we're recording this episode remotely. Yeah, I mean so. I had to drive in this last week, and granted, not this day particular, but, like, last week I had to drive, you know, to and from work and whatnot, and it was fine for the most part. Like, it wasn't all that bad. The only, literally, I think the worst experience I had was in my own subdivision, and that's because the people that, like, my neighbors, they all have kids, and their kids, like, just, I guess, to make sure they don't block their parents in their driveway or anything like that, or just because they're lazy, I don't know which, they all park in the street. So, one half of my street is paved. The other half, which just happens to be the one I back out into, is covered in snow and ice. Yeah. So when I try to get when I get home from work and I try to pull into my driveway, it's a challenge. Yeah, that's the that's the same issue that I ran into cuz last week I had to drive and do deliveries at one of my jobs. Um and that was rough because the roads, like the main roads, they were fine. But neighborhoods yeah. and driveways and, you know, a, like parking lots, those were just disasters. And so having and to know, do that's deliveries, like huge... that's like half of what I'm driving on. So. 
And that's such a huge pet peeve for me. Like these people pay money for these parking lots and these and houses with driveways and everything like that. Like and then they just park in the street. I'm like, what? What the fuck are you doing? You pay all this money for this driveway. Use it. Like it's fine. That's true. But if their like, driveway is nothing but a giant hill, and then they hear on the news that there's going to be like a snow and ice storm, then I can understand them still just. I park on a hill. Yeah, but like you know, accidents happen. I I can understand them just not wanting to deal with that just in case. What I get yeah, pissed off at is shit. like people pay all this money in like homeowners association fees and all this stuff, apartment complexes, you have to pay yeah. for the property and everything. Why can't they fucking plow the parking lots? Why can't they ice the sidewalks at apartment complexes or in neighborhoods? I mean, salt? Yeah, salt. Jesus. Not ice. <laughs> Why are you not icing my ice? I don't understand. <laughs> Just sprinkle more ice on top of the ice. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? This isn't ice enough. I need all the ice. <laughs> this ice needs icing. <laughs> Why are there no sprinkles on my fucking car, Steven? Honestly, if I went outside and there were sprinkles in the snow... <laughs> <laughs> I guess depending on the color of the sprinkles, I would have varying degrees of concern going on what color hold on wait what color the sprinkles do they need to be for you to be concerned uh, like if they're brown sprinkles like chocolate sprinkles i would be like oh okay there's just like a lot of rabbits shitting in the <laughs> just shitting in the snow but if it's rainbow sprinkles like you can't confuse rainbow sprinkles for shit so like that's fair you can't so then i would feel comfortable made. yeah th- then i would feel comfortable eating the snow with rainbow sprinkles, but chocolate sprinkles, no. I'm not going to eat no That's chocolate sprinkle snow. Which is a shame, because chocolate sprinkles are pretty good. So anyways, this is uh, a PlayStation <laughs> podcast uh, <laughs> where uh, we talk about more than just shit sprinkles. <laughs> I mean, not always. But Steven, what have you been playing? <laughs> a good portion of, of this podcast is... It can be summed up in, in spritz, sh- spritz, <laughs> shit sprinkles, God, shit spritz, shit. just spritz. <laughs> oh my God, kill me now! It's like it's like a uh, inglorious bastards instead of Stiglitz. It's shit spritz, <laughs> shit spritz, Derner. <laughs> That's such a good moment. Like, when that, <laughs> when that happens in the movie, like, nobody gives a shit about Stiglitz, but that happens, and you're like, alright, I love Stiglitz already. Like, he's the fucking dude, he's the man. Yeah, you just know. The myth, the legend. And that's your introduction to him. You just know. Immediately, and you're like, alright, he's a badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven, what have you been playing lately? Um, so, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not, but, um... Rachel and I finished King's Quest. Did that happen after we recorded? Uh, I feel like it happened after. I don't... I can't remember because you guys did that. I was at work. I was gone. You guys did that while... So it was just you two here, so I didn't see it. So, so I can't before. remember... Yeah, you guys... I think you mentioned it a little bit because we talked about how you were... I don't know if this is like a, like a conversation we had together or if it was on the podcast, but you talked about how the ending of it... You were disappointed in it? Yeah, it wasn't as emotional as I thought it would be. 
Because it was like leading yeah. up to being some emotional thing, and then it kind of just fell flat. But also, keeping in mind, this is a... Uh, it's not like a super old game, but it's relatively older uh, compared to some of the more recent point-and-click kind of narrative-driven things. But anyways, uh, so recently finished King's Quest. It was fun. I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, but it made me realize that I still hadn't seen the movie Princess Bride. And it's, Whoa, hold on. You haven't seen The Princess Bride? I haven't seen The Princess Bride. Really? Uh, yeah. And, huh. like, King's Quest very heavily references Princess Bride and has, yeah. you know, some of the same voice actors as the movie. Uh, so, I think this was yesterday, I sat down and I watched Princess Bride for the first time because of King's Quest. Huh. So, like, Princess Bride, like, I've only watched it, I think, maybe once or twice, and it was years ago. That is my mom's absolute favorite movie. Like, I think there was a good, like, time span where they were re-releasing it in different formats. Like, one year it was DVD. The next year it was Blu-ray. Then the following year it was, like, 4K or whatever. And I, every year I just get a new iteration of it, and it was her fucking favorite thing ever every time. Like, she'd just Damn. sit down and watch it. So, like, she loves that movie. So, I'm surprised. And, like, a lot of people do. It's got a pretty big following so i'm surprised yeah it's like especially it's like the a, type of movie it classic. is classic yeah so i'm surprised that you of all people this is your first time sitting down to watch it well it's like it's like the ultimate nerd movie basically it's a fantasy setting i think the movie came out in the 80s it was late 80s mm-hmm. so it's got that sort of 80s style of film to it it's also family friendly so a lot of people when they watched it for the first time they were younger they watched it with their family so it's very nostalgic for them uh me going into it, watching it in 2021, uh, you know, I don't have any of the, the nostalgia for either the movie or the 80s because I, I'm a 90s kid. Um, but it was still enjoyable. Like, uh, it's got some, like, witty little bits. There's some things that I think were just funny because of how, like, matter-of-fact they were, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... Like, that's one thing that I enjoyed about it, is it, it felt very British, even though it wasn't British, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get what you mean. Like, just the way that, that certain lines were delivered, and, and the the comedy of it is very... Like, I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just very It's got British. that British comedy feel, where it's it's kind of dry and very on the nose. Yeah. But, yeah, like... I know exactly what you mean. So, I liked it for that, um... But like I don't I don't think it's anything like super remarkable, uh, but with that being said, I'm also watching it totally out of context. After I've About seen years later, after I've 40 seen years later, a ton of other movies and played games that are inspired by it. So like, I'm I'm kind of like out of the whole thing, if that makes sense. Um, I've also been yeah. watching a lot of other, like not not fantasy 80s films, but I've been watching a lot of British comedy lately. Uh, like, I've been watching a lot of, a bit of Fry and Laurie and, like, that kind of thing, so, I don't know. I'm, like, in that mindset, so maybe that's why I'm seeing a lot more of that in the movie. But, anyways, the most interesting thing for me watching it was seeing how many references were in King's Quest. 
like references to the Princess Bride, like. Oh yeah, because you just pop pull them out like, oh my god, this I, I get it now. Yeah, it's almost like, like watching the Princess Bride. If I had watched the Princess Bride first before playing King's Quest, I could have pre- predicted so much of what happens in King's Quest. Like that's how much they <laughs> reference the movie. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so that was kind of interesting. But anyways, so um, yeah, beating King's Quest, that's old news, but watching Princess Bride, that happened just the other day, and I don't know, I just felt like that was something worth sharing, because it's such a commonly referenced thing among nerdy people, Me. I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I get you. Um, but yeah, I've uh, lately I've been playing a lot of Control, because it was free, and I heard that it's an easy platinum. So mm-hmm. uh, I've been jumping into that a lot, actually, lately. What are your, what are your thoughts on Control? So I picked up Control not long after it launched, originally on the PS4 and the Xbox One. And I played, I think, a, like the first handful of chapters, just to give it a feel. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is fun. But I just wasn't in the mood to really play that type of game at the time. So I ended up going towards something else and returning it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I picked up a used copy from GameStop at the time. But I, I... And for someone like you, who's a fan of Remedy, or... Hold on, I'm thinking of Rare. You're a big fan of Rare, not necessarily Remedy. Yeah, I'm a fan of Rare. Yeah. I always get those two mixed up for some reason. But any Hooser, I was really interested to see what you thought about this. So, expound. Um, I mean, so... If you took control and dwindled it down to a bulleted list of its components, it sounds like something that would be so far up my alley I would be pregnant. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because, like, supernatural elements, uh, really, like, spooky, uh, but, like, not overtly horror, Mm -hmm. but, like, kind of uneasy, uh, dealing with, like... Um, ideas of like reality bending like that kind of sci-fi I really enjoy I love stuff that makes me uncomfortable and kind of changes how I view everyday things Um, and based on their previous work like Alan Wake um, even though I never played Alan Wake I always thought the concept was really cool and I love more like narrative driven action games uh, so it just seemed totally up my alley. And playing the game so far... Now, granted, I think I'm about... I would say three or four hours in. I I don't know exactly how long the game is, but... I, I don't feel like I'm very far into the game. I'm also playing it pretty slowly. Okay. Because uh, I'm, like, reading all of the things, because I'm told that that's really the only way to get the whole story. Uh, so every time I collect a... A collectible i make sure that i read it uh sometimes multiple times because it can be confusing but anyways so far i'm not ridiculously impressed to be honest um which kind of makes me sad and that's why i keep playing it because i'm like this has to get good because i kept hearing from so many different people uh like a, a friend of a friend of mine who used to work at GameStop with us, uh, she was, when she played the game when it first came out, she was like, Steven, you need to play this game, you're going to love it. And I was like, okay, eventually I will. And then here I am. 
Um, and like the internet is saying, oh, this is one of the best releases that year uh, when it came out. Um, which, didn't it come out 2019? Control? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was 2019. Okay. Um, but anyways, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is one of the best releases this year. Uh, Game of the Year contender. A lot of people were really impressed by it. Um, game of the Year winner in, in some instances. Yeah. So, you know, playing, starting the game, I, I went in with very high expectations. And so far, I don't quite understand why people are falling in love with it. Because it seems it seems like all of the components are there, but it's like it's missing the mark across the board. Like, I'm not in love with the character performances so far. I'm not in love with the way that the world is presented. Like, it's really weird. And I feel like a lot of people like stuff that's like weird because they like this is gonna sound i don't know this is gonna sound judgy but i feel like a lot of times people like things that are kind of weird and obscure because they like to feel smart about understanding it uh in the same way that i think people really like rick and morty they're like oh it's such a smart thing it talks about smart concepts and you just don't get it if you don't like it it's like that kind of thing. I feel like with Control, it's like, this is such a spooky mystery. There's so much depth to it. And so far, I'm just not getting that yet. And I feel like a lot of it is just weird because it's weird. It's giving me like yeah. almost Twin Peaks vibes where it's like, all right, let's put this in here because it's strange. And then that's about it. That's about as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can see what you're saying because I... When I tried it, I was very much, like, the biggest reason I wanted to play it was because everyone else was talking about it, and it was such a, you know, it was a game no one expected to be as hyped or as uh, acclaimed as it was, I don't think. So when it came out and it took the world by storm, it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's see what it's about. Um, And I was like, okay, this is fine. This isn't the greatest thing, I don't think. Like, it's fun. But I don't see what's uh, what this game has done that's really blown people's minds away. And then when it comes, what you're saying about like how people like weird things because they feel like if they talk about a weird thing, it makes them feel smart or something. I I totally get what you mean, especially when you compare it to Rick and Morty. Because like as I enjoy Rick and Morty, I think it's funny. And while I do think sometimes it gets into like there are some episodes that are strictly goofy just to be goofy and then there's other episodes where it's goofy and then it ends with like oh shit okay yeah that kind of hits close to home you know i get that but that's all it is it's not this brilliantly genius level thing it's just done in a good way that's humorous but also touching sometimes yeah and so like while control like yeah cool it's weird it's strange it's out there it is not you know the pinnacle or the top level form of that medium well that's at least in my eyes that's like another that. thing too and i want to point this out because i feel like this is a criticism that i totally deserve <laughs> i am also somebody who loves something like death stranding like i loved the hell out of death stranding and death stranding kind of falls into the same kind of thing where there's like a lot of really weird things in death stranding but i think the difference is everything so far uh like in in death stranding everything had a purpose and it always seemed weird at first but then as you played you understood it and then it all kind of made sense and some of it was even integral to the gameplay mechanics 
And that is what made it feel so rich and so awesome. Uh, with Control, so far, and again, I haven't finished it, so this is by no means a final review of the game. I am going to finish it uh, because, you know, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. But as of right now, so far, there's like weird things, but it seems like it's tangential to the gameplay where the gameplay is like, oh, this is just an excuse to give the character these superpowers or to justify being able to use the force, basically. <laughs> or like things like yeah. that, where it's like, okay, but like, Tell me why I had to touch a a phone, like to do this. Like I I I just don't. That doesn't make sense to me. And like the way that it's presented, it's very disjointed, and frankly, it doesn't make sense. And like nothing's coming together. I don't. And I think well, that I think is a part of it because that was something I experienced too. And I think the game introduces you in a very scattered way to where nothing makes sense things are just happening to happen like what the fuck who cares but as you get further into it especially closer to the end it's like oh like it's supposed to have this big eye-opening type of thing that makes you tie everything together in your head see and that's something that i heard now i get it and i'm i'm excited for that and that's another reason why i'm still playing but with that being said and I, I'm comparing this to Death Stranding just because Death Stranding is the first weird game that popped into my mind. And they came out the same year. And that, yeah. Um, with Death Stranding, it was weird, but it was always interesting. Like, the setting was beautiful, and the stuff that was happening was uncomfortable enough to where it was intriguing, and I was like, okay, I'm really curious about what's happening. But Control, it's weird... And, like, on paper, it's unsettling, but it's not really, it's not really disturbing me in the way that I would have expected considering the subject matter and considering the content itself. And Mm -hmm. the setting, in my opinion, is just boring. It's like a concrete government office building, and every now and then there's a bunch of cubes everywhere and red lights. And, like, and that's it. And, like, I was expecting a lot more, I guess, diversity in the types of environments, I guess. Yeah. And, like, more color to be introduced. And, again, maybe that's going to happen. Because I have literally... I feel like I've barely scratched the surface in this game. I am playing it very slow. I also keep dying a lot. Um, But, like, I literally, right before recording this, I accessed a new floor. So I took, like, an elevator down... And it's a whole new map that comes up when I press the map button. So I'm 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 going to assume that this area is going to have a different visual style. Because that's usually how video games work. Uh, and I'm hoping that it does. But I don't know. So far, it just hasn't super grabbed me. And I'm like kind of disappointed. But also, I feel like... I don't know. Just based, days. based on how everyone's been talking about it, I'm like... There's got to be something that I just haven't gotten yet. So, I'm holding out hope. Yeah. That, and I think a lot of this game's praise came from the PC community, too. Because this game was heavily lauded on, you know, just the fidelity, ray tracing, all that stuff. Like, back in 2019. Like, it got a lot of praise for its PC version. I will say... The, and that's the community that talks about it a lot. The level of destruction so. in this game is very nice. Like... <laughs> 
Yeah. Like the way that, I remember that. If there's, if there's no object nearby and you're using the little force move, it's like telekinesis Mm -hmm. basically where you can pick up an object and throw it. But if there's no object nearby, you can literally like just rip a chunk out of the wall or out of the floor. Um, yeah. And if you aim your gun at a desk, for example, and you shoot it, it like breaks off in a pretty realistic way and like papers fly everywhere. There's a lot of interesting particle effects. It's the way that they handled the destruction and the action in the game is really nice. And I like the kinetic nature of it. There's a great sense of movement. Uh, it encourages you to move pretty much constantly whenever you're in like a fight or anything with any of the enemies. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, the only downside and this probably isn't a problem on PC, but the only downside is the game does not perform well enough to justify all of the movement and destruction. Like, to the point where, at times, it's unplayable. <laughs> like, I literally have to stop pressing any buttons and wait for the game to catch up to me before I can continue. So I'm happy you said that, because at first I thought that was just me when I played. Like, it was hard. I'm like, is this game supposed to be difficult? But there is a boss fight early on. I think it's the first boss fight, actually. I got my ass handed to me. And it's because there's so much going on, but you have to keep moving, like you said. And then it's like, I'm doing, like, I don't think it's caught up to what I'm doing yet. And I think that's, like, I don't know if this is my fault or it's the game's fault, because I can't tell yet. (laughs) So it was just hard and difficult. I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep playing this, because goddamn. Yeah, I mean, the game does get significantly easier as you unlock more powers and more of, like, Mm -hmm. your supernatural abilities. But the more that you use your supernatural abilities, the more effects that are happening, and so the slower the frame rate is, and so it still retains its difficulty just in a different way, where, like, literally, I have come across this, like, three times in my most recent play session. I was fighting people, and I was using my, like, melee attack and the telekinesis, and I literally had to just stop pressing buttons because I had to wait because like the screen got all blurry and the game stuttered almost to a complete halt. And I I literally just had to wait for the game to catch up. Damn. And so like during that process and granted it was only like a couple seconds, but that's a couple seconds of me getting my ass handed to me, but I can't see any of it because I'm getting shot while the game is just stuttering. And yeah, there's literally nothing that I can do about it. It's like little things like that. Well, that's I would argue that that's not a little thing. That's a big thing. Um, and considering how long this game has been out, I would have thought that those kinds of things would have been patched out, like would have been fixed. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine how much worse it was when it first launched. And so, like if if I'm if I'm not willing to give a pass to a game like Cyberpunk uh, for its performance issues. I don't think that it's right for me to give a pass to Control for its performance issues. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm i not giving a pass to Control for its performance issues. I think it's kind of shitty. Like, why why is this happening? I would, I would be okay with a not-as-pretty game if it controlled, funnily enough, better. <laughs> um, but... That's another critique that I have. I don't think the game looks that great. Like, from a a technical standpoint, the destruction Mm -hmm. is nice, the lighting is nice, the visual style, I guess, is there, like, the artistic direction. But when it comes down to, like, the actual, like, technical impressiveness of what's happening, 
I, I feel like I've seen other games that have come out earlier on the PS4 with the same level of like bombastic action and it can still run at a consistent frame rate. So Yeah. So I, I really don't I don't understand like I get it, making games is hard. And making games where lots of stuff happens, that's difficult, and I understand that that's like a whole thing. But also, like, this is this is a pretty renowned studio. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, again, I don't think Control, the level of success it had, I, again, I don't think anyone was expecting. Because prior games from that developer in recent years were Alan Wake, um, which was more of a cult classic kind of deal, and um, Quantum Break, which did not do too well. While it looked fun, and it got a lot of press leading up to it, uh, it was kind of like a like, oh okay, yeah, this happened on the Xbox One. That's really all it had going for it. And then it had like the TV show wrapping in, like it was weird. Um, so yeah, I, like again, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Where I'm like, I don't know how Control got to where it is. And I don't think Remedy, like, if I feel like if you were to ask Remedy back when this happened and all this press and all this praise was coming to it, I think even they were probably caught off guard, like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, from what like, I've read, like, it is <laughs> it is kind of like a, a not as high budget game. Like, from what I read, they, that is true. they didn't spend as much money doing this. They put most of their energy into the world, I guess, like the lore. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I just. I don't I don't necessarily think that I've played enough of it to fairly critique it on its story um because I haven't finished it yet and I feel like in order to give it a fair shake I need to finish it but just based on the gameplay I'm like I'm not entirely sold but I mean I'm going to finish it I'll probably end up finishing it during this week honestly um, so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe next time we record, I'll be able to, you know, give my, my feedback on that. I mean, I still think it's a good Your sense, if you would. Yeah. My two cents, my dual sense <laughs> is a <laughs> sense, ah. uh, but I still think for like a mid tier game, it's good. Like I would still give it like a six or a seven right now. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I don't think it's bad. It's just going into this with the level of praise that people have been giving it. I had my expectations pretty high. Because when somebody says, oh, this is game of the year, I put my expectations pretty high. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because, you know, game of the year, I'm like, okay, this is going to be reflective of where the industry is and where it's going. That's how I kind of uh, interpret game of the year. Uh, and... I don't know if I would put control on that level, but also I haven't finished it yet. Maybe all of the rest of the game is going to blow my mind. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Sorry, that was a well, bit of a, a long rant, but uh, I feel like there's a lot to discuss when it comes to control. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steven, here's the thing. Old game is old. All right. Control came out. Now almost two years ago and we got some news which means new things to talk about news 
That's why they call exactly. it news. Exactly. <laughs> that's why they call it the news because it's new, or that's why they say things are new because it's in the news. Yeah, I still think control is relevant though because it was free with PlayStation Plus. So there's that. Oh, well, I'm not saying it's not relevant. I'm just saying there's new things, you know. Yeah, but there are more important things. That's right. Like mother flipping Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart gets a release date, Stephen. It's happened. And and it's the month of my birthday. That is true. That is your birthday month. Ladies and gentlemen, the source comes from the PlayStation blog. Ratchet and Clank gets a release date. It was announced via a trailer. So at first it was leaked on a Taiwanese retail site, um, which was out of the blue. And I, I applaud Insomniac and PlayStation for just saying, screw it, it's leaked, let's just get it out there. And just putting out a fucking gameplay trailer. Not even like really a gameplay trailer. It's a small little trailer. And then at the end of the trailer, boom, release date. It wasn't a trailer with the intention of releasing the release date. It just kind of like, we'll just slap it on at the end and be like, hey, mm-hmm. it's here. So that was cool. Um, there are some more details uh, you can check out on the PlayStation blog. I'll go over them here briefly. Um, launches on June 11th, 2021. It is, as a reminder, it is only coming to PlayStation 5. So there will be no PlayStation 4 port of this game. Um, there will be two editions, a standard launching at $69.99 and a digital deluxe at $79.99. If you opt and buy a physical copy of the game, don't worry. You can spend an additional $10 on a PlayStation Store for a digital edition upgrade. You may be wondering what comes with this digital edition, Stephen. And it's quite a bit, honestly, for like just an additional ten bucks. It's not too bad. Yeah. You get five armor sets, a photo mode sticker pack, twenty rare tanium, which for those who have not played a rare uh, a rare game, a Ratchet and Clank game. Rare tanium is the like skill point. Not no, they have skill points in that game too. It's what you use to um, upgrade your weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the upgrade currency. And then there you go. And it also comes with a digital art book and digital soundtrack. It is now available for pre-order. And pre-ordering gets you the Carbonox armor from uh, Ratchet and Clank Go on Commando. And the Pixelizer weapon from Ratchet and Clank 2016. Which turned your enemies into like a 16-bit like sprite kind of deal when mm-hmm. you fought them. Uh, now Steven, the bit of news I thought was really flipping cool about this. Is that it is a standalone story. So, a, the writer mentioned that this was a great entry point for newcomers, but also, you know, older fans will appreciate references to past things, but it's a standalone thing. I feel like they've done this with every time that a, a new Ratchet and Clank game comes out on a new console. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they just hit the reset button on the story. <laughs> like, Ratchet and, and Clank I on think- PS2, that had its own tone and its own, like, sort of style and then ratchet and clink came out on ps3 and they're like all right forget all that like to the point where even like major plot points from the ps2 games are just completely ignored um and then with the ps4 they basically rewrote the first ratchet and clank in its entirety um and then now with ps5 it's like all right here's another new start it's like how many times are you gonna do a fresh start for the series. So, that's true, but I think it's a good idea, though. I think it's totally fine, because with each console generation, you had your own, like, trilogy, per se, right? Because mm-hmm. with the PS2, you had uh, Ratchet & Clank, Up Your Arsenal, uh, Deadlocked, and Going Commando. Not necessarily in that order, I don't think. 
but four games, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had the PS3. And these games are typically aimed at a younger audience, right? Like, it's cartoonish humor, it's simplistic gameplay, um, and but at the same time, it's almost quality uh, development. So that way older fans and longtime fans can enjoy the game. But then you go to the PS3, like, all right, we want to take advantage of the new stuff. Yeah, Ratchet, you know, you our fans are... Tools of Destruction. Uh, it was the future trilogy. It was the future trilogy. Crack in and time so and the, into the Nexus. Mm-hmm. So you bring that up, but at the same time, you're like, well, I've got a... You know, we have a new generation of players now. It's a new generation of console. So how do we do this? All right, cool. We'll nod to past games, right? Like, we'll reference the characters' histories uh, and go from there. But at the same time, this is its own thing. So now that generation of players can play. And then now on the PS4, it was a little light because they just had the one game that released, which was a remake of the original, um, and it tied into the movie uh, that was also released with it. But again, even then, that game still set the bar for some, especially at the time when it was right after the PlayStation 4 Pro um, launched. So a lot of people held that as, oh, if you want to play a game on the Pro, you got to play Ratchet and Clank. So, and then doing that, bringing on a new generation of gamers. Now, five years later, right, it's a new generation. So, so that way you don't alienate people, like new fans. You kind of just start, you hit refresh. Like, again, you don't ignore what happened in the past, but you very much don't have to acknowledge it in a huge way. And it gives them the opportunity to keep Ratchet and Clank fresh, right, for old fans and new fans alike. And then if they want to make sequels based off of this and start, like, their own new trilogy... It gives them that opportunity, so that way it doesn't get stale. I just always, otherwise, I always felt like you're stuck with like 20 installments, and then no one gives a shit. I just always <laughs> felt like all of the Ratchet and Clanks have felt like standalone stories. Like, yeah, they have like, especially with the future series, they kind of lead into each other. But mm-hmm. I can play those independently of one another and not feel completely lost. So, like, I don't know. I feel like them saying that it's a standalone story. That to me uh, is just I mean, kind well, of sort like, of, okay, I mean, that's kind of more of the same. I don't know, because if you remember the future games, like the ending of, uh, spoilers for anyone that hasn't played this game that's almost 15 years old, in Tools of Destruction, Clank's gone. Like, he le- he's lost. And then you have the Quest for Booty was like the standalone game they used to, t- to tie in, right? And and then you had um, A Crack in Time. The whole point of that was the follow, it was a true follow-up in every sense. Like, it recaps you pretty well as to what was going on. Uh, as to how Ratchet, like, how Clank was lost, yeah, Clank was lost, and how Ratchet's on his way to find him, and things of that nature. I totally forgot but that also Clank exploring. was lost. <laughs> yeah, like, that was the whole point of that game. And then Into the Nexus, Into the Nexus was more of a standalone thing, because it didn't necessarily have to play too much off of A Crack in Time, or um, Future Tools of Destruction. So, yeah, I, I'd like this, I think this is... Outside of 2016, this is probably the big, the first real fresh start the franchise has had. Where, I mean, sure, they've had the smaller titles, like All for One, and um, where there was, like, a different style of gameplay, but it was just kind of there, like an offshoot thing. This is probably the first one where it's like, nah, we're just not going to, you know, we're not building off of any past titles or any ending stories, because they were all pretty conclusive by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just going to... Make a thing. And who knows? It could be a spark of a new trilogy for Ratchet & Clank, which would be cool. I wouldn't be mad at that. Well, as of right now, Ratchet & Clank is my most anticipated PS5 game. Like, Same here. Honestly, because the gameplay that we saw, I thought, looked phenomenal. 
they were doing things that we genuinely have not seen in a video game before on like the technical level that we were seeing it in um during gameplay like that it, it was all of the like the dimensional rift pulling and shit like that that's fucking cool uh yeah it it will probably it'll be i think in a lot of people's minds will be the first test of the playstation 5 and its new capabilities yeah and that's why the first real exclusive that does it that's why i think there are two things that stand out to me from this announcement other than the release date um Mm -hmm. first of all they reiterated in the blog post i think it was like one of the first sentences in the paragraph following the video uh they said just a reminder this is going to be a playstation 5 exclusive but then they said this is going to be a sort of like flagship next gen experience or something along those lines they like specifically mentioned that and i'm like okay this is what i wanted from a first party developer (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. because we, again, haven't really seen that yet. Um, so yeah, I think you're right in that this is going to be the first next-gen thing that we're going to see that's going to actually show us what next-gen is capable of on a base level. Uh, so that's exciting. But also, uh, probably not as exciting for most people, but a thing that stands out to me, the fact that the the Digital Deluxe comes with a photo mode sticker pack... <laughs> Um, I know that sounds dumb, but that says to me that they probably have a pretty in-depth photo mode. And for a game that is going to be sort of like the the flagship demonstration of what next-gen is on PS5, it has confirmed ray tracing um, and like advanced particle effects and lighting effects. Um, This game is going to be gorgeous. The fact that they're putting a lot of attention into a photo mode that at least allows you to, you know, put stickers and decals on your photos, but I'm assuming is going to have a, a pretty wide range of photo mode options, just based on this, just based on the fact that they're including stickers for a photo mode. That excites me, because I mean, it means that, um, I mean, PlayStation first-party titles have, at least in this past generation, have had increasingly impressive photo modes. Uh, with a lot of shit going on where you can, you know, go in and tweak a lot of things and customize them. Ghost of Tsushima had entire articles written about the photo mode alone. Um, I'm excited to see that trend continue with Ratchet and Clank, and I'm excited to see the types of things that people share, whether they're still photos or if it maybe even goes the route of Ghost of Tsushima where it allows you to share short video clips that you can edit in-game. Um, that kind of thing is exciting just on like a content creation level but also in terms of like i feel like this is going to be weird uh but on ps4 when they added the share button to the controller Mm -hmm. that made me a little excited not necessarily because of the content creation but having a share button on the controller says to developers who are developing games that are going to be played with that controller that they need to make share-worthy experiences. It's like a subconscious thing. It's like in the back of people's mind when they're making things. And photo mode is something that came about because of that. Because they're like, okay, we want to make things that people want to share, so now we want to give them the tools to share that. And that's why now the create button 
on the PS5 controller, like, that's another thing. And I don't know. It's just something that, like, the the f- philosophy behind it excites me. And just the fact that they have a stupid sticker pack for photo mode says to me that this is probably going to be an, another in-depth photo mode. And that's just exciting to me. <laughs> well, I mean, so a couple things. Like, you're right entirely with the share button. That was definitely a way to influence developers, especially first-party developers, to, like, hey, like, that's there. You need, like, use it. Use it to its fullest extent. Do what you can. So much so that that's what gave, like, when we got the create button on the DualSense, Xbox is following along suit with their new controller on the Xbox Series X and S with their own share button. Um, while, because they never had a dedicated button for that, per se, on the Xbox One. Um, and then after that, third-party games started doing it to where it was available on Xbox and PlayStation titles. Um... So, yeah, I, I would definitely say PlayStation led the way in that. I mean, hell, even the Switch has a little screenshot button you can use to upload screenshots you take to Twitter mm-hmm. almost, like, immediately. Um, so I don't think anyone would ever argue that point. Um, and that, and this is Insomniac. Their last two big titles they've put out have been Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales, which both have a very good reputation of having a sh- strong photo mode mm-hmm. between stickers, like... Um, I mean, hell, I think they just released a sticker pack for iOS, actually, for Miles Morales <laughs> to use in, like, text messages. Is it free? Um, I don't, I would imagine so, I think, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, so that's the thing. So, Insomniac, as a developer, even before they were first party, that was something they were very focused on. Um, and it's been a huge thing. So, with the success that they've had with Spider-Man photos being uploaded and shared with them, it is a no-brainer for them to do so with their flagship franchise in Ratchet and Clank. And uh, the you, Spider-Man I stickers cost two dollars. No, oh, damn. Not gonna do it. The Local Roco mm-hmm. stickers are free. The Parappa stickers I mean, are free. License, man. Fucking nickel and diming us for Spider-Man stickers. I mean, Spider-Man's you know the most monetized like. The most I know he's a big money deal, but he's not as big of a deal as Loco Roco. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> and he never will Jesus be. Christ. Mark my words. <laughs> never. Not a day. Did you watch? There was also, this is unrelated to Rift Apart, per se, but it is Ratchet and Clank. There was a digital short, and by short, I mean like half an hour, <laughs> uh, video that was released. <laughs> Just out of the blue. It's not tied into the Ratchet and Clank game. It just was a thing they released. Um, so you can check that out online. It's free to stream. Honestly, uh, so seeing it on this list that you uh, so generously compiled was my first time hearing about this animated short. <laughs> it was out of, like, yeah, no one really, there was no real drop. It wasn't announced on the PlayStation blog. Which is weird. <laughs> I found it, I, I saw it on a Reddit post. I'm like, what? And I watched it, like, okay. And then as I was scrolling for news to get everything compiled for today, I saw it was listed on IGN. I'm like, what the fuck? Why did no one talk about this? <laughs> why wouldn't <laughs> so, they? Is this... it, that is really weird. Like, why would they? They obviously spent time and resources and energy making this 30-minute mini-movie, basically. Yeah. And, like, why wouldn't they just put the release date at the end of that? draw attention to the short film instead of do a separate thing that totally just takes all attention away from the the thing that they spent all this time and energy on 
And then what the fuck is the point of the short film? Like, I don't... Is it leading into a... they going to be a cartoon? Is there going to be another movie? What What's happening? <laughs> Why is this here? Is there a Netflix original series? I, That'd be if interesting. If there was ever a place it'd be. I watched the uh, beginning of the Dragon's Dogma anime thing, by the way. Yeah? Just a random thing. Because I've been hitting the random button, or the shuffle button, on Netflix, which I love. Um... And so it's been just, like, showing me things that I haven't watched yet. And uh, the Dragon's Dogma anime thing was fine. It follows a lot of the same tropes of anime where it's like, oh, we're going to introduce a nice little family with kids and then we're going to slowly kill them all. Um, And that's how we're going to have the first episode. So, like, that's literally every anime that I've watched for the first time the past month. The first episode is, here's a family, here's at least one child, and now you're going to watch them die. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's just what anime is. Maybe that's why the suicide rates are so high in Japan. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> this is so dumb. I was watching Baruto with Andreas, and like, uh, in the new episode, like something really intense happens, and Andreas was like gasping, and it's kind of sad. And uh, then the episode ends, and Andreas just looks at me, and he's like, "This is why the suicide rate is so high in Japan." And I was like, "Because of Baruto?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yes." <laughs> I mean, it's the Naruto franchise is like the, one of the highest grossing anime out there, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty influential. Honestly, to I think it's just because <laughs> the anime is depressing. Like it's just it's, there's some, there's some that's very heartfelt. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I've been hitting that random button on Netflix, and it keeps showing me really depressing anime. I mean, the really popular ones and the really good ones lately have started off pretty depressing. I don't like it. Hmm. Well, you know what, Steven? You know what some people might like? $5 voucher for the 4. PlayStation Gear store? Yeah, that's true. If you purchase <laughs> an early copy of Ratchet & Clank, you get a $5 voucher for the PlayStation Gear store. <laughs> Whatever. No. Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, is coming to PlayStation 5. This also comes from the PlayStation blog. This is launching on March 12th, 2021. It, upgrades, this will include supports 3D audio. Uh, it'll run at 4K with 60 frames per second adaptive trigger support um it'll launch at 59.99 and free upgrade for ps4 owners so if you own the copy on the ps4 or you bought it with the numerous sales that happened over the holidays not to worry you will get a free copy of the ps5 upgrade when it launches so and when you inevitably get a ps5 free upgrade that's the best news out of all of this personally oh fuck yeah uh, especially yeah like that's cool but honestly like Everything else, that's fine. Like, <laughs> uh, it is cool that it's getting upgraded. I do like the idea of games getting getting patched with, like, PS5 versions or whatever. That's cool. Um, Especially when they're, like, later launch. Like, this game just launched this last, I think, October last year. Yeah. So not even a month before the PlayStation 5 actually launched. So, And I think being... I, I really wish they would just say, like, oh, hey, this game, like, you'll get especially at a time where the PS5 was widely known to be coming, like, you might as well tell people just to encourage them to buy it now. It's like, you'll get the free PS5 upgrade when the PS5 launches. Or in the future. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think like, I think people just don't want to... They don't want to, like, guarantee anything because video game development is weird and sometimes things take forever and sometimes things change. And so in the same vein as, like, I don't want developers giving a release date until they're 100% certain that they can hit it. 
I don't want yeah. developers saying, oh, you're going to get the PS5 version for free when we do it and then have development take years longer than it needs to and then they release it and they're like, oh, sorry, we have to charge you again. Like, I don't want them to do that. Uh, I mean, so, true. That's what they did with the PS4. The PS4 had that weird, like, do you remember that where you could buy? Yeah, and then it's like really ten dollars to get the upgrade. To upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I, if if developers know, I would love for them to be able to announce that and be like, yeah, we're currently working on a PS5 upgrade. When it's available, you're gonna get it for free. So don't worry, you can buy the current gen. That's cool. Oh yeah, but, I, I would I would not advise anyone announce it prematurely. Like say it like when you're confident in it, not. Like, oh, yeah, just to attract buyers. Don't do that. Yeah, but I don't know if they knew when they were developing this new Crash game, it's about time. I don't know if they knew that they were going to do a PS5 upgrade in mid-development. I mean, I can, under- I can understand them not doing it. I don't think anyone looks at Crash Bandicoot as being something that needs to be in 4K with 60 frames or have adaptive trigger support. But, <laughs> yeah. So, there's that. But, last bit of news, Steven. Sony's been hit with a lawsuit. Not again. This comes. This has come from IGN, um, and I didn't get a whole lot of information on this because I figured it'd be something we more talk about, per se. Um, the DualSense controller has a joy... Not Joy-Con, but a joystick issue where, with drift. Classic situation. A controller, the analog stick drifts, and the controller navigates whoever you're playing as, or the camera, whatever, in some weird, funky way without your control. Uh, there's been a class action lawsuit filed against them uh, by, I believe, a New York New York attorney office, uh, saying that PlayStation knew about it and they're not really providing a whole lot of support on it, nor have they given a lot of options for consumers to really follow. You can find it all on IGN. So, Stephen, as someone who's experienced this, I'm. I mean, I don't know. So my experience with it, I only had it happen while I was playing Ghost of Tsushima. And while it was very much not a mild drift, like Jin very much started looking towards the sky immediately <laughs> when this happened. It wasn't like it wasn't like a floating thing. It just happened. I'm like, oh shit, okay. And I thought it was just that game specifically, because that's all I was playing at the time. So therefore it was the only time I ran into it. And when I restarted the PlayStation, it was just fine. I just chalked it up to, you know, launch console, what happens, whatever. The controller gets freaking firmware updates. And it's not like my analog stick, per se, was loose or anything. Like, it handled just like it did normally, physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hearing there's a class action lawsuit, I don't know how far this will get. Because, again, if you restart your console, at least in my experience, you're fine. <laughs> and if it's, you know, a software thing, then upgrading, updating the controller might fix it yeah i first of all i just want to say like why does it seem like every time that any new console launches there's an issue with the controllers and there's a a lawsuit eventually like this happened with the switch this happened with the ps4 (laughs) like i feel like every time there's just there's something wrong with the controller yeah that, that blows my mind especially with fucking drift i mean like I get it. It's frustrating, especially when there's no resources for you to do anything, and then you have to fight with the warranties and all that stuff. It's not ever just like, oh, it's under warranty? Okay, I sure will replace it. You have to, like, argue. But Drift and Controllers has been around since, like, 
the dawn of console gaming. Well, no, I don't... Especially since analog sticks. Like, who... Like, it's a natural thing. I mean, granted, it shouldn't happen so early on in your purchase of a controller. I don't want to excuse but, drift happening. I think that... Yeah. We should have these problems fixed. But that's that's my complaint, is, like, why the fuck do we always have a problem every time that a new system launches? Like, why wouldn't they, like, be aware? Like, don't, don't I think these it's things have to be... I mean, don't they have to be extensively tested before they go out? Like, you'd think that they would I mean, be aware of these things ahead of time. That's true. I, I I think it's just hard to... Some things you gotta wait until it's in the hands of the masses, you know? I mean, that's shitty, and it sucks. But, like, when you have, like, such a small group of people, and, you know, who knows how long these people are actively playing a thing. Um, Like, again, I only ran into it when I played one game. Not every game I played. So yeah, well, that, if you've got testers that's doing it, be my, and the issue doesn't come up. That's my next thing that I wanted to bring up. So um, I've seen a lot of complaints online about this, and I listen to a lot of other video game podcasts, and um, other people are having this issue. But almost every single person, with only a handful of exceptions, that I've heard who has this problem, they only have it in certain games, which is weird. Like, if it's a genuinely controller drift issue, it should happen universally, you would think. Exactly. And the fact mm-hmm. that it's not, I wonder, is it something wrong with, like, I mean, the, the controller gets firmware updates. Is it something wrong with the controller itself, like the soft the software in the controller? Or is it something wrong with the software of the, the console, like the operating system doing something wonky? Or is it an issue with the actual software of the games, like the applications exactly. themselves? Because um, you said you were only experiencing this with Ghost of Tsushima. You restarted your system, and it worked fine. Uh, other people, for the most part, at least from what I can see, are experiencing similar things where, yeah, the drift happens, but it either only happens in one game or it happens as like an isolated incident, and then they restart, and then it's fine. That, to me, is like bizarre. Because first of all, that's not that doesn't sound to me like a controller hardware problem. Because right. it should be consistent. Like with the Switch. Yeah, with the Switch. Yeah, with, that with was... the Switch, it happens in everything, not just one game. Yeah. Uh, but also, if it is something that's innately wrong with the software of the controller, or the, uh, the software of the system itself, or a specific game, why isn't it fixed? Like... <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. should be something that you just throw out in an update and it's fine. Uh, especially if it's gotten, if it's escalated to the point of a class action lawsuit. Like, Jesus Christ. Just fix it. Ah, well, I mean, with a class action lawsuit, especially, like, you just, it just takes one person with enough money to hire a team of lawyers to say, hey, we're just going to sue them. So, I mean, it's not like it has to escalate to that point. That's but. fair, yeah. But uh, <laughs> still, it's just, like, it's just weird to me. Like, I, I don't understand why this is an issue and why this seems to be a pretty consistent issue throughout the entire game industry uh, where this happens. Um, it's just, it's it's bizarre to me. And I understand mistakes happen. I understand making things as complicated. You can't always, you know, take into consideration every little thing that happens or is going to happen. Uh, that's fine, but I don't know. I just feel like, I 
feel like this should have been noticed or this should have been addressed like before it got to the point where the internet is now talking about it there's a class action lawsuit and like i've heard it on multiple episodes of things like can't you just fix it <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm a little too hard on on companies but uh, I feel like I've been, I feel like this episode I've just been kind of like aggressive towards PlayStation and towards Remedy and. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to say, you know, like with game development, system creation, and things of that matter. It's it's hard to say, like issues happen. You're right. Um, it's just a matter of, I'm sure there's a priority list, right? Where it's like, hey. We have this list of issues. What do we tackle first? And, like, you've got console explodes. <laughs> controller occasionally drifts, and you just need to reset your console to fix it. Like, what do you do first? You know? Definitely the controller <laughs> drift. Yeah, you're right. Fuck it. Let the console blow yeah. up. At least the controller works. More people would complain about the controller than the... <laughs> that's a feature, honestly. <laughs> Put that on so the back of the box. Think, that's where I think a lot of this happens, especially nowadays in the age of information, right? Where people can get shit so quickly now um and influence things so fast because of the information they have like i guarantee you probably one of the reasons we didn't see i guarantee something like this probably happened with ps2s ps2s ps1 special controllers probably happened right and everyone just chalked it up to oh okay it's just a thing like i just gotta fix it the controller's broken no big deal but now that you can hop on a reddit post and see millions of people reading and commenting like oh this happened to me it happened to me it happened to me it happened to me and it escalates so like within a forty-eight hour time span, and now you've got a class action lawsuit in your hand. It's just nature of the times. So yeah, that is true. It's gotta it's gotta be hard to you're not gonna be able to satisfy everyone. So you've got to do what you can, and then do what you can later. Because if that were the case, like we come out with games that just work one hundred percent of the time, there's one hundred percent no issues. Games would take well longer than they do now to get out there, especially with the level of detail that goes into some of these games nowadays. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, like I also feel Nintendo... like we live in a more iterative time as well. So like mm-hmm. creating a game, for example, oftentimes when a game is manufactured and sealed and sent out to stores and it's in the hands of consumers it doesn't necessarily have to be the final product at that point uh like Mm -hmm. you know we have updates and things like that and so you can fix issues you can fix glitches or you can add new features um, that just weren't even a part of the package before like we saw with the online mode for ghost of tsushima uh yep so like since everything seems so iterative I would also assume that, like, if there is a problem, it's going to get fixed. That's that's kind of partially why I'm frustrated with Control performing so shittily. Uh, is because it's like, okay, this game's been out for how long now? Like, two years? Uh, or one and a half years, or however long? And yeah. they haven't patched it so that it has a, a relatively decent frame rate? Like... Come on, guys. Well, and so, I mean, there, there also comes the issue of, like, uh, I mean, this, 
again, ties into Cyberpunk, you know? Cyberpunk on PC, while it has glitches, were nowhere near what they were on a base model PS4. But if you play the PS4 version of Cyberpunk on a PS5, sure, there were glitches, but you could it was more it was very much playable compared to the PS4 version of the game. So I'm like how do you measure that? Like do you if you've got a group of people expecting to be released on one console, do you just can it? Do you get the version out that you can and then delay it or do you release it all at once and say hey, we'll fix it when we can? I mean Cyberpunk granted different, there was definitely a lot more behind that than there is the situation of control. But Control, again, like is praised for its performance, technically, on PC. Um, I'm curious to try it on PS5, because I played it on a PS4 Pro, and I had my issues, um, to say the least. Now, I don't think they're as extensive as what you're saying. Like, sure, the game, I couldn't keep up with it at some points, but it's not like the game would crash or break. It would just have a hard time keeping up. Yeah, um, I mean, my game hasn't crashed yet. I just always felt like yeah. it was on the brink of crashing any moment. <laughs> right, like at any moment, this could shut down. So it's hard to say, especially when you're keeping up with different models of different consoles. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, we're developing for PS4. Okay, which PS4? <laughs> because you've got one model that can handle 2.4 gigahertz of internet. The other one can take five. And then you've got one that can go up to 4K and upscale it. You've got one model that can't go 4K but still can do HDR. And it's, you know, so you've got to very much be careful with that because you fuck up one thing on one of them you're told like oh this game is trash or saying other or it's not working it's broken but then Joe Schmo down the street playing on a higher end console oh it works fine for me i mean if you're going to release something on a console it should work for all versions of that console like true it should be optimized for the base level of whatever thing you're releasing it on uh, now pc i guess is different because you know you can literally put the specs that are required to run the game and then you basically set the base level for whatever game you're releasing on pc and then that's just like it's written out for you when you buy the game they're like okay you need at least this to run the game optimally um mm -hmm. but on console it's not like that we only have a choice between like three different SKUs or three different types of machines so you already have the base level that you should be developing for um, I, while I understand that development is hard, I also, and, and again, I'm not saying that everybody should be at this level, but mm -hmm. when I see Naughty Dog release The Last of Us Part 2, and it runs flawlessly on a launch model PS4, and that game is probably one of, if not the most technically impressive things that I've seen to come out of the last five years. If I can see that with a consistent frame rate that only drops um, on a base model PS4, it only drops when you go into the water and it drops like one frame. That compared to control, which is nowhere near the same level of detail as The Last of Us, uh, part two. And it's, like, on the brink of crashing, it seems. Like, then I'm kind of like, well, okay. This is obviously, it's an optimization issue, and it's something that they just didn't prioritize. And that's bothersome to me. 
And this is this is coming from somebody who I honestly I don't necessarily care about visual fidelity or performance in a game. Like mm-hmm. I just want it to be consistent. I don't I don't care if something is 60 frames or 120 frames. Like I'm okay with 30 frames. Um and I I don't need 4K. I don't I don't need HDR. I just want the game to be consistent because I mean that's that I feel like that's just what should be expected what you pay for. of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I don't know. I just somebody somebody at Remedy just I guess made the executive decision to just not prioritize frame rate. And uh I don't know. It, or not not to prioritize performance. Or it not prioritize that skew. Like a, you know what I mean? From what like, I hear, sure, like probably. literally every console version of Control, or at least like you know, not next gen console, the performance mm-hmm. is pretty bad, from what I've heard. I, I'm curious. As, I, I want to look into that myself because I mean, the game again, it got to where it did critically within just a few months of being available that year. So to when the majority of the market is console owners playing and critiques are getting that level you know i'm curious to see like how many issues were there on console that'll still allow that game to get up get to the praise it got you know what i mean i feel like it might be one of those things where it's like i think people were so enraptured by the the story or the content or the atmosphere that Mm -hmm. they might have just kind of been okay with the performance issues because pretty much every review that i read for control and pretty much every person who shared their thoughts on it they all mentioned the performance issues like every single one of them um and some of them being pretty harsh but it's still reviewed relatively well and it's like one of those things where it's pretty damn high it's kind of like you know a telltale game like the Walking Dead. That was a technical disaster. Mm-hmm. But the story was so good that people still loved the game. Like, I would even say the same thing about Life is Strange, especially Life is Strange Season 1. Like, that game... The art style is nice, but, like, the visual represent or the visual presentation of the game sometimes was pretty rough around the edges um and it had its own like technical hiccups and stuff too but still people liked the story so much that you know it won all kinds of awards and people loved it it became a cult classic i feel like control is kind of the same thing and it's like at what point do we as an industry and as gamers at what point do we draw the line at what point do we say okay this is the new standard this is the new expectation and we're going to hold people accountable whenever it goes below this line. Like, where do we draw that line? I think that's where you get it gets hard, right? I mean, you've got to think there's so many factors that go into making a standard. There's budget. There's policy. There's what engine are we allowed to use? Like, not everything runs on the same engine, so you've got to make your own. So how do you do it? So, granted, like, Telltale's biggest thing is like they made bank off of the Walking Dead franchise alone. Not a, not to mention their other stories they wrote, 
or not wrote, but used and created games that sold well. Um, they had money to get to use another engine like Unreal or Unity or whatever, but they decided to save the cost and use their own shitty one. So, and games like The Last of Us, like they used their engine. Um, I'm not sure if it ran off Unreal or what. Um, or if, if Naughty Dog has their own proprietary per se. I think it's their own engine. Yeah, so running off of that, so we can't like we can set standards, sure, but like can we set standards for the industry? Like, it's hard to do that when everyone's using their own stuff or using different things. You know what I mean? I mean, I think so. Like, I think that standard is made by the industry and by the gamers. Like the the industry, meaning like journalists and content creators yeah. and gamers, being the people who play the games and the conversations that we have. But I think what's interesting is the fact that control has become uh it like it already feels like it's become like a cult classic and people praise the game and they say it's one of the best games to come out that year despite its performance issues the fact that that happened and then we now have the very current story of cyberpunk and people are just shitting on that game (laughs) um Mm -hmm. I think that that's interesting because then, yeah, kind of like what you said, it depends on, you know, budget and who's making the game, what kind of engine they're making it on. I think I think people held Cyberpunk to a higher standard because of how high of a budget the game is, because it's CD Projekt Red, um, and compared to Remedy, where they even admitted that Control was a lower budget game for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that sort of sets the tone for the conversation that we have around it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, I've even asked myself, are we being too harsh on Cyberpunk? Because, yeah, even though it has a lot of performance issues, like, it's not unheard of. Grand Theft Auto V launched, and it was a disaster <laughs> when it first came out. Yeah, um, that's true. But, I mean, I guess the game was innovative enough, and people were excited enough to give it a pass at the time and you know cyberpunk i guess did it just not do enough new or exciting to to allow people to give it the pass was it i wonder if it's about scale i wonder if it's scale too because i mean and what i think it's about scale and what exactly is broken you know like it, it's hard to say like cyberpunk's biggest thing i think a big portion of that reason people didn't like it is like it would crash there was game breaking glitches there were um I, I think it was a number of issues and instead of it being just one issue particularly that conflicted everyone there was a list and it was a big list of random things that would just happen it was never a consistent thing like you've got characters popping in and out you've got vehicles flying everywhere you've got the game just crashing it's just weird because i you've feel like we've seen, not popping i feel like we've seen the same thing with pretty much every recent rockstar game like grand theft auto 5 red dead redemption 2 those were glitchy disasters i think they're more disasters but i wonder if it's because of like what kind of glitches they were like cool like it wasn't they were grand theft auto 5 that's true so grand theft auto 5 for instance when it launched i don't think the core game itself is what had the issues the big scandal behind that was the online mode was delayed like, I think, days before the full game launched. So you had people who were pumped about playing Grand Theft Auto V because of the online mode precedent that was set by 4. 
only here the online mode was delayed. And then it's delayed, and it comes out, and it's still broken. And it's like, well, what's broken about it? Well, I mean, Is even it, even the, with, the like, game. Red Dead Redemption 2, though, there was, like, mm-hmm. I think it was after you get to, like, the third or fourth mission, your save corrupted. Yeah. <laughs> like, consistently. Everyone who didn't update the game would have that problem. And, like, I mean, I even know somebody who they installed the game, and uh, there was no sound. Like, literally, the audio just didn't work. And they deleted mm-hmm. it, reinstalled it. They even bought a new game, a new copy of the game. And same thing happened. No audio. Well, so, and that's where I'm wondering, like, again, so things of that nature, there's... I feel like there are so many factors, and we can go on and on about this, that go into what are you judging and how are you critiquing it? And even now, I think a big thing for reviewers nowadays, too, like, back when Grand Theft Auto Five first launched, the game launched... Uh, 2013, 20, yeah, 2013, I think, on the PS3 and the 360. At that time, you had reviewers, they aren't putting out articles or reviews about how the game, like, oh, hey, we're going to, grain of salt, like, we'll review this game in a year because it's going to receive patches and updates because of the service portion of it. It was a final score. So I think reviewers then were also factoring that in, like, oh, well, you know, Sure, this game's going to have its issues now, but give it a month. Patches will be there. So we'll just give it the score where you think it's going to have, like, based off of knowing that's going to be a thing. Here you go. Where Cyberpunk, now the precedent is, oh, no, we can upgrade our, we can update our reviews. We can go back. So I can totally say right now, this game is ass. It doesn't work. It's not functional. We'll come back to it in a few months and see what happens if there's anything different. And that's what we're seeing. Places like IGN are releasing new performance reviews of almost every damn patch that comes out for cyberpunk i just don't remember seeing journalists jump on red dead redemption 2 like they did cyberpunk and that's true and i, don't, and I think I, and we're not that far removed that's true and you're right and i think again the big thing for cyberpunk was i think the biggest thing that hit fans for cyberpunk was how it was hidden right with red dead People got to play the console versions. They also got to play the PC that version. That is true, yeah. You saw what you got. With Cyberpunk, the conversation at first wasn't that, wasn't that it didn't work. It was that it didn't work, and they fucking knew about it and still sold it. Yeah, and they only showed and PC they hit it. versions. Yeah, exactly. That's, true. that's where the difference lies. It's the transparency piece. So now everyone's watching Cyberpunk because when we weren't watching it, we're like, oh, yeah, we trust them. We got this. We got this. We got dog shit in a, in a plastic case dog shit in a plastic so, case it's a high school band don't worry about it <laughs> what is it really <laughs> I, I mean I'm pretty sure if we, one of us googled it <laughs> it would turn up something dog shit in a plastic case bum, 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 bum. dog shit in a plastic case they really like bass lines <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen to it. Well, <laughs> I'd probably make it. Honestly, that's fair. <laughs> that's like that's probably the name of someone's rock band, like group name or guitar hero, <laughs> just to see if they could get away with it. Like, oh man, mom, they let me do it. I put shit in my band name, and they were okay with it. It's crazy. <laughs> do you remember what I called my band in rock band? No, I forgot you owned rock band. Yeah. Rock Band and Rock Band Unplugged, always the same name for the band. I, I don't know. 
It was Touching Llama. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You remember Touching Llama? I remember Touching Llama. <laughs> Some good shit. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know about that, but... Well, it was... It was something. <laughs> Any hooser, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast. Remember to like, comment, rate, and subscribe to our show. Let us know what you think. Again, if you want to see the show grow and you want to support us, you can make your way over to mtfproductions.com forward slash donate, where you can donate as little as a dollar, and we will use those generous donations to help improve whatever we can find, which I'm sure is a lot. Yeah, new equipment uh, <laughs> is a big thing. Coming new up with a, a more elegant solution software. for remote recording. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe that can be a thing. Yeah, I mean, hell, if we get enough funding and whatnot, you know, we could start giving out some merch. Yeah, we can get some merch. Who knows? We, we, we might make it big. We start doing video. We can get a legitimate podcasting hosting site. All sorts of crazy shit. Possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. So make your way over. But until then, we'll see you next time. See you later. Love, love, love. Okay, bye.